0: As you saw in the feed, uh, they talked about this event for high school students. Advance has now shifted a little bit. Some of the details changed, and uh, it's no longer a week-long event. It's a one-day event, and it's free. And I realized a few weeks ago, I got up and said, hey, if you would love to scholarship a student, please do so. We have one in need, and so you might be wondering, like, what happened to that money now that it's free? And so what we decided to do... Is we're going to allocate that money towards scholarship students for that student or other Conklin students, so that money still will be set aside towards scholarshiping that particular individual or other individuals. Um, So we are super thankful. There was just some details going on between us and the camp that we just couldn't figure out. So if you were wondering, that's what was going on. That's what has happened. So. It is still going to be an awesome event. It is now one day, and it is free, which, by the way, it happens to be my favorite number. So, all right, moving on. How many of you are familiar with the golden rule? A little bit? All right, so the golden rule goes like this. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you, right? That's the golden rule. That's a great rule. We have a form of that rule in my house. I try to teach my kids, hey, treat other people the way that you would want to be treated. Treat their toys, treat their stuff the way that you would want them to treat your stuff or your toys. It's a great rule until someone mistreats you, until someone hurts your feelings, until someone offends you, until someone betrays you, or stabs you in the back, and then all of a sudden, we want to take that rule and turn it upside down, and we want to create a new rule, right? And the rule would go like this, do unto others as others have done unto you, right? That's, that's the rule we want to create, right? And in those moments where we have been mistreated, it just feels right to get them back, It feels just to to hurt them just a little bit, right? I mean, they've mistreated you. It feels right. It feels just to mistreat them. They've betrayed you. They've hurt you. And it feels good to hurt them back, right? And we also want to make sure that we get even. The problem with paying people back The problem with getting even is that it makes you even with someone that you don't even like. It makes you even with someone that you don't even want to be like. And that's the problem with that approach. And so if I am going to be even with someone that I don't want to be like, if I'm going to be even with someone that I don't even like, at least in that moment, why do I keep doing that? And is there a different approach? Is there a better approach? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, go to First Samuel chapter 25. First Samuel chapter 25, it's in your Old Testament. Uh, you're going to find it um, after Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, and then you're going to find yourself in Judges, then 1 Samuel. David is a fugitive. He's with his band of brothers, six hundred of them. They are on the run. And if you know anything about David, he is now the anointed king, not the king yet. Saul is still king, but Saul hates him. Saul hates David. He wants David dead and David is on the run. He is trying to stay away from the Philistines, but he also doesn't feel comfortable in his own country. And so that's where the story picks up. First Samuel chapter 25. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put the verses on the screen behind me. We'll start reading in verse 2. A certain man in Moan who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and 3,000 sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. So let's just camp out there and talk about Nabal and Abigail. Nabal is this man. His name literally means fool. That's that's his name. Like how would you like to name your child that? How would you like that to be your name? And Abigail, her name means my father is joy. Guys, great name, all right? And she is she's intelligent, and that word intelligent literally means she has good insight. And throughout this passage, we're going to see a contrast between foolish and wise, and a contrast between good and evil. Abigail is beautiful, she's wise, she's intelligent. She's discerning, and Nabal, her husband, he is a harsh, rude man. He's hard to work for. He's a rough guy, and he is just an all-out jerk. And his name means fool, and that's exactly how he lives his life. So that's what's going on. That's the background. Verse 4, when David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent 10 young men and said to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, long life to you, good health to you in your household and good health to all that is yours. Remember, there's this contrast between good and evil, right? Abigail, she was of good insight. David is going to Nabal and saying, hope everything is good with you. Hope everything is good with your household. Verse 7, now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they'll tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my men since we come at a festive time. Literally, a good day. Please give your servants and your son David Whatever you can find for them. So David is on exile. He's on the run. He's sort of a fugitive. And there's this custom in the land that when a Lord, someone like David, was in the area, he and his men would offer protection for the farmers, for those taking care of the animals, for the workers, for the animals themselves, for the crops. So if anybody tried anything, everyone tried to, to steal something or sabotage their their workers or hurt their workers or take one of their animals or take some of their crops, David and his men essentially offered a security service. And the custom of that day was, if somebody was in town, they would offer that security service, and when there was the slaughtering of animals, or it was harvest time, some of those animals, some of those crops would go towards that man. That was just the custom of that day. So when David is sending these, these 10 guys to go talk to Nabal, it, it's, it's actually an ordinary thing. And he's saying, hey guys, it, it's, it's, it's that time, right? We've been good to you, will you now be good to us. That's what he's doing. And he's reminding them, hey, we helped you out. We made sure that nothing went missing. We made sure that you were safe, you were secure, and everything is good. Take a look at how Nabal responds. Verse 9, when David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat that I have slaughtered from my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? David's men turned around, went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, "Each of you strap on your sword." So they did. And David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. 200 men stay back with the supplies and the luggage and 400 men go to take care of Nabal. It's not that Nabal didn't know who David was. Nabal knew exactly who David was. And so when he asks this question, who's David? Who is this son of Jesse? He's not looking for information. What he's saying is, who does David think he is? I mean, does does David really think that I'm going to give my food and my water that is for me and my men to him? I don't think so. Thanks for your security. Thanks for your service. Go pound sand. You're on your own, buddy. And David is furious. He has now chosen to go on this hunting expedition. Everybody, grab your sword, get on your horse, and let's roll. Because we are going to take care of this guy. He is going to get what is coming to him. David, in his mind, has decided, I'm going to take care of this guy. We're going to kill everybody. I'm going to let him know who's boss because you have crossed the wrong guy. And in fact, everybody in part of my crew is going to see how bad I am. If you mess with me, you get the sword. So that's exactly what they plan on doing. Have you ever been there? You ever felt like, You bent over backwards for somebody. You you went out of your way to to do them a favor. You put yourself through a knot hole, and you helped them, and you helped them, and at the end of it, there was not even a thank you. There was not even a, hey, I appreciate that. Hey, a good job. It was just a, "Eh, nothing. In fact, maybe they made you feel actually pretty small, they, they hurt you. They took advantage of you. They didn't even pay you for the work that you did. They just kind of stuck it to you. That's what we see here. David and his men have gone out of their way to provide this service. And all they're saying is, hey, we were kind to you. Will you be kind to us? We went out of our way to protect you provided safety and security. We were nice to you. Will you now be nice to us? And Nabal is saying, no way, no how. And David is not having any of it. But check out this next scene, verse 14. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greeting, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us the whole time. We were out in the fields near them. Nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time. We were herding our sheep near them. They didn't do anything. They protected us. Verse 17. Remember, there's this theme of good. We've seen it. We've been good. You've been good to us. It's that good time. It's that festive time. Now, think it over, verse 17, and see what you can do because disaster, literally, evil is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked, he is an evil man. Here's that theme of good and evil coming out that no one can even talk to him. This is the kind of guy that Nabal is. He's a jerk. He's rude to people, he's rough, he's a harsh boss. In fact, nobody wants to spend time with him at all. And he is a fool. And so what do we do? What is Abigail gonna do now? She's received this message. She's married to the guy. She knows exactly what kind of guy he is. She knows he's mean. She knows he's rude. She knows he acts foolish. She knows he's a self-centered guy, and she knows the custom. And these guys are coming to her and saying, look, David's men, they did exactly what they said they did. They treated us well. Nothing went missing. Always cared for us. We could have been taken advantage of. We could have been robbed. We could have been killed. And they made sure none of that happened. Abigail goes on a rescue mission. Look at verse 18. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sayas of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine there were David and his men descending toward her and she met them David had just said it has been it's been useless all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing he has paid me back evil for good there's that theme Evil and good. Evil for good. We did good. Will you give us good back? And Nabal says, no way, no how. I'm giving you back evil. I'm going to stick it to you. But then take a look at what verse 22 says. May God deal with David, be it ever be so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. David is on this hunting expedition And he is planning on killing every single male, man, or child. He is planning on annihilating every guy that lives on that farm. Abigail is trying to run interference. She is desperately trying to to go in front of David and try to figure this out. Is there any way we can stop this? Is there any way we can prevent this? Which is really unique because she lives with this guy and he's abusive and he's cruel. And if we just step back and say, well, dude, you kind of got it coming. Like you picked a fight with the bull Now you're going to get the horns. I'm going to step back and watch and see what happens. But Abigail doesn't do that at all. Notice what she does. Notice her response. Verse 23, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now my Lord has surely, as the Lord your God lives... And as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intenting on harming or evil, everybody who's intenting bringing harm or evil on my Lord, be like Nabal. You're going to be like him. You're going to be even with him. Is that what you want? I mean, you don't even like this guy. And now you're going to be even with him. You're going to be even with a jerk. You're going to be just like him. You're going to be even with a fool. You're going to be even with an abusive person, just like him. Is that really what you want to do? You want to get even with him, and now you're going to be that, even. And we do this all the time. Verse 27 And let this gift, which your servant has brought to my Lord, be given to the men who followed you. This is interesting because Abigail is married to a very, very wealthy man. And she sees David, she gets off her donkey, and she bows down, puts her head to the ground. She's acknowledging, one day, David, you are going to be the king. And she's treating him like he already is the king. She's running interference and she's treating him like the guy that she knows he ought to be. She's treating him like the guy that she hopes that he will be one day. And she says, look, look, look. God has already saved you from this bloodshed. God has already done something in your life. God is keeping you from this. David, this is not really what you wanna do. And here's the thing. The world is telling you, get them back. The world is telling you, pay them back. The world is telling you, get revenge. You deserve this. It feels good. It feels just. You better pay them back or they'll never learn their lesson. But here's the thing. If you, if you do catch anything else, catch this. When you're offended go on a rescue mission, not a hunting expedition. David is going on this hunting expedition. He's going to kill people. He's going to get even with people. But Abigail, she has a completely different mindset. She has a really good perspective of who God is and how big God is. And she recognizes God is so incredible you don't really want to do this, David. You have blood on your hands. You're supposed to be the king. You are setting the example. 600 men are watching you and they're going to see this and they're going to learn this. Parents, your kids watch you and they learn from you. Grandparents, your kids watch you and they see you. Your classmates see you, your coworkers see you, your boss sees you, and he learns, okay, that's what it means to follow Jesus. You proclaim to be a follower of Jesus. I know you don't always get it right, but when you're wronged, do we go on a hunting expedition? Or do we go on a rescue mission? Do we go and try to restore relationships, run interference and, and bring reconciliation to things? do we try to strive to be peacemakers or do we go and get even? We have two choices. First, you can choose to be right. And so many times we are right and it feels right. And I want to dig my heels in and I want to show you, I want to prove to you, I am right. But how is that going for you? Does that tend to help relationships? at the end of digging your heels in at the end of showing how right you are do people often walk away from that conversation or interaction and go wow they're right i mean the way they handled it they, they showed me i've got that now i'm write that down for that moment it feels good but there's another option you can choose to rescue You can choose to go after that relationship and go, I'm going to pour into this relationship. I'm going to see if I can bring reconciliation and healing to this relationship. See, you can be right or you can win people. Most likely, you're going to win your friends not your enemies. And when we dig in, when we Decide in our mind, when we determine in our minds we're going to be right, we're ruining the relationship, hurting it. We're killing all shots of reconciling. You mean not killing it, or we're making it far harder than it ought to be. Thankfully for David, Abigail has a different perspective on all of this. David says, look at what he did to me, right? He repaid me, I did good, and he gave me back evil. And Abigail says, I know, (laughs) I get it. I live with the guy. If anyone knows, Abigail knows she is humble, she is wise, intelligent, smart, and she knows we can change the whole course of history by this one event, David, imagine what will happen if you take his life and you take all of these lives, what then? David, what story do you want to tell? Do you want to tell a story? Hey, yeah, grandchildren, come around. I killed hundreds of people because they didn't give me my guys food. Or do you want to tell a different story? Look at what Abigail says next, verse 28. Please forgive your servant's presumption the Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing, that's evil, will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing, pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies will be hurled away as from a pocket of a sling. So what she's talking about is saying, okay, David, your life is bound securely in this bundle. That's an idea of like a, a purse or a wallet. If you had something valuable or money, you would fold it up in some kind of leather pouch or, or a leather binding, and then you take some cords and you'd wrap it around, right? You'd make this bundle. You'd fold it up and you'd kind of stick it in your, in your belt. You'd be secure there. Your money or your possessions, whatever was valuable, would be secure there. And what Abigail is saying is, God has done that to you, David. You are bound up in God's wallet or purse or money bag, and you are bundled up. You are wrapped up in his safety and security. You are in the living God's possession. And you're valuable, and he is keeping you safe and secure. She is pointing David to God. But notice what else she says The lives of your enemies, what's going to happen to your enemies, David? He will hurl them away as if they are in the pocket of a sling. When was David using a sling? When he killed Goliath. She's bringing him all the way back to when he was a teenager and he took five smooth stones, stuck one of those stones in that sling, got it going and let it go. And she is saying, those enemies that you have, (coughs) my husband, (laughs) in the sling pouch and God is there, he has the sling, he's going to take care of it. And so many times, we want to take care of it. And when I decide I'm going to get revenge, I'm going to pay you back, I'm going to get even, what I'm saying is, I'm Tim, I'm right, I know what I need to do. God has no idea. But God is the one who is in control of all of these I want to let God take care of it because I'm pretty sure that God will take care of it far better than Tim will. And so Abigail is so wise. She helps David shift his focus towards God. Look at God. He is so big. You are are in his money pouch. You are secure and safe and God will take care of all of your enemies. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know what that will look like but God's got this. So look at verse 30. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he has promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, which means glad or pleasing, it actually sounds like the word for good in Hebrew, remember your servant. There's that theme of good and evil coming out. David, you have a choice. What story are you going to tell? Is it a story of revenge? Is it I paid them back? Is it of murder? Or is it, you know what? I was really upset about this. Man, I was worked up, and I just stepped back and go, okay, these men that I'm leading, they belong to God. These sheep and these cattle and these resources and these provisions, all that belongs to God. If God wants to take care of my men, he owns a cattle on a thousand hill, he can provide. Killing these people is not the story I want to tell. Let God take care of this guy. He's a fool. I don't want to be like him. Verse 32, David said to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has kept me from harming or evil who has kept me from evil from you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. I mean, this woman just saved David's life. He was at this fork in the road. Am I going to choose evil? Am I going to choose foolishness? Am I going to choose harm to get even? Or am I going to be like Abigail and work on this rescue mission? Which path are you going to choose? A hunting expedition or rescue mission? Take a look at what happens next. Verse 36, when Abigail went to Nabal, she was in the house holding a banquet Sorry, he was in the house holding a banquet, a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk, so she told him nothing until daybreak. Then, in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed, and he became like a stone. Verse 38, about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. (laughs) What? I mean, that's in the Bible, all right? That's, you should read the Bible because there's things like that that you just miss or you don't even know about. And I have no guarantees that whoever's hurting you, whoever's harming you, will die tomorrow, okay? That is not what this sermon is about, okay? Please don't go out praying that. <laughs> that is not the point. David had no idea that that was going to happen. He certainly had no idea it was going to be 10 days later. There is no guarantee that you will see how God handles your enemies. There is no guarantee that it will happen on your timeline. But all we know is that God in his goodness and his character will take care of those who have harmed you who have been evil and wicked and abused you. Those who have sinned against you, those who have offended you, God is just, he is right, and he will take care of them. I don't know how, I have no idea when, and I don't even know if you'll be around to see it. But God will take care of them. This is incredible. David entrusted the results to God. He could have taken them into his own hands. He could have sought revenge and said, you know what? I trust David, right? I I like to say, I trust him. I've got this, God. I'll take care of my problems. I'll take care of my enemies. I'll take care of those who have hurt me. But instead, he says, you know what? I'm gonna trust God. God's the one that will take care of this. Just give it over to him. Verse 39, when David Heard that Nabal was dead. He said, Praise the Lord, who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing evil down on his own head. Then David sent a word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. Verse 42 Abigail quickly got on a donkey and attended with her five female servants and went to David's messengers and she became his wife. (laughs) Boom. That was quick. Again, I'm not making this up. This is actually in the Bible. You should read it. It's incredible. We have three characters, right? Let me show you. Three characters that we see here, all interacting with similar events. But what do they do? Nabal, what does he do? Evil for good. David did good to him. David offered protection and safety. He was kind and gracious. And Nabal returned that with evil. What did David do? Well, he almost returned evil for evil, right? He almost did that. Like, that was his intent. intent. Had Abigail not jumped in, he was going for it. But what did Abigail do? good for evil. She runs interference knowing Nabal has been evil and she says here's some food. Let me take care of this. Let me go on this rescue mission. If you were to be honest with just yourself not me not your spouse not whoever you're sitting with as you look back at your life which of these would you say you're most like? Is it Nabal, David, or Abigail? Again, don't don't tell me. I don't need to know. But if you're going to be honest with yourself and God today, which are you most like? When you're hurt, when you're wronged, when you're offended, when you're sinned against, Which one of these do you most likely lean towards? Here's what Romans 12.20 says. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. What? If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. Don't let evil overcome take over your life. Don't let evil conquer you. But be an overcomer. Overcome evil with good. It's strange. But it actually works. Try it this week. Someone who is being rude to you, just start being super nice to them. You've been on the other side of that, right? Kind of wanted to pick a fight with someone, kind of wanted to poke them, and they wouldn't give you what you were hoping, they wouldn't fight back with you, they just kept being nice, and you're like, no, come on, let's go, right? And they're just like, oh, you're so awesome, you're so good, and you're just like, you're getting worked up, right? Try it this week. Overcome evil with good. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. If they're hungry, give them something to eat. they need help with something, go and help them. Here's why. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Jesus died for your sins, died for my sins, went on a rescue mission to reconcile you to himself. And so he calls you, he calls me, he calls us to go on that same rescue mission, to reconcile, to make things right, to repair relationships. Here's the point. Christians, we are so easily offended, but you don't have to be. You can choose to go on a hunting expedition or a rescue mission, Here's a reminder. The gospel is primarily a rescue mission. So, how do we do that? What does that look like? Here's four questions I want you to interact with Do you want to be right or do you want to be righteous? Do you want to be right or do you want to win people? What story do you want to tell this week? At the end of your life, what story do you want to tell to your kids or your grandkids? What would it look like to return good for evil? this week, in this season of your life, what would that look like? Last, where are you feeling offended? Where are you feeling offended right now? And deal with it. On your way out today, we have some stickers we would love to give you. It says, write or rescue. You can put it on your your phone, your water bottle, your laptop, Don't put it on someone's car. (laughs) Put it somewhere. You're going to see it so you can be reminded, do I want to be right or do I want to be someone who goes on a rescue mission? Let me pray. God, you are amazing. And it's it's incredible the things that we see in your word. Um, They're challenging to us. Sometimes we find them humorous. Sometimes we find them really convicting. And I know in this room, we have people who have been sinned against. They've been hurt. They've been offended. They've been wronged. And I ask that you would help us to entrust those hurts, those offenses to you. You would help us. You would give us the wisdom and boldness to go on a rescue mission and not a hunting expedition. Help us to take our next step and and have that next right conversation. Just do the next right thing that you would be glorified and honored in every interaction we have. pray all this in Christ's name, amen. You guys stand with us.